Finishing sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Did you drink, did the nominee drink to excess or use drugs? That is a standard question that's asked each and every time. And 150 people were interviewed for those background investigations and none of them brought forth the evidence to support that. When the rubber meets the road, when the hour is critical, when a historic precedent needs to be set, the United States Senate most often finds its way to doing what is right. On this vote, the ayes are 50, the nays are 48. The nomination of Brett M. Kavanaugh of Maryland to be an Associate Justice of the Supreme Court of the United States is confirmed. And now, Stacey Washington. Welcome. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for being with us. We actually have um, a, a couple more calls. So let's let's do a couple more calls and then we will get into what the Constitution will and will not permit in the way of impeaching a su sitting Supreme Court judge, a sit justice. And this is, you know, this is where we are right now, where we have to actually have a discussion about that as opposed to moving on to other things, because there is other news in the world. Uh, so right now, let's go to the phones. We have Arnold in Nebraska. Arnold, thank you for calling the show today. Hey, Stacey, Arnold here. We talked last Friday when mm. I talked about how uh, the FBI investigation on the Ford letter had, had started back on the 12th of September versus what, what we all were told when uh, they opened it up and extended it a week. Mm. I tried to send you some links and some information but I got blocked on Facebook, um, and then I tried to get, well, Twitter's not a, not a large enough resource to use to send you information, and I tried doing it on, via email to you, so I don't know if you received it or not, but it's very, very, uh, very, very informative. I'll continue to try to get that out to you, but the biggest thing I had for you today, and thank you once again, you got a bang-up show, oh my gosh. I just need to come down there and live where you are and get you live 24-7. It's just mm -hmm. wonderful. Anyway, um, President Trump, his comments about Ford, as you pointed out earlier, were right on, he was just telling the truth, they were right on target, and it forced the media to go back and start reporting some of the truth of her testimony. Uh, and I, I tell folks, and I always hear this excuse, well, it's just a job interview. No, it stopped being a job interview when the Democrats at the last minute brought that information forward, and, and you hear people say at the 11th hour, it's almost like a Japanese, when the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor, it was a sneak attack. Nobody expected it, really. It came in out of nowhere, and then now we had to respond to it. Same thing with the Ford, Ford letter. The, the job interview ceased when this was brought forward. Now it became an investigation that was tried in the, in the courts of the public in the public arena, because you had all the elements of a criminal trial were there. You had the accused, the accuser, the prosecutor. You had 24 judges, i.e. the senators asking questions. You had a court stenographer. And all this was being tried in the court of public opinion. So to me, there was no more job interview. This was a criminal proceeding, even though no actual crime could be prosecuted. It was tried in the court of public opinion. Mm. Wow. Thank you so much for that uh, information and, and for your call today. Um, I hadn't actually thought about how the 24 senators were like judges and all of that, but I did feel like it was a, 
uh, it was a witch hunt with all of the elements of, you know, a criminal proceeding and with the possibility of maybe not prison time or anything like that, but that evidence that was given there because it was given under oath could be used later in a criminal proceeding. Hence, Christine Blasey Ford's announcement that she wasn't going to follow through with criminal charges because that is what people are expecting her to do is take the information from her testimony and Judge Kavanaugh's testimony and the testimony of anyone else who was interviewed um, and and to gather that information together and to provide it to the police in Maryland where it occurred because they have no statute of limitations and to uh, have them begin to investigate it for with an eye towards prosecuting Judge Ford. And that is the big deal to me when when you hear people talk about impeaching, uh, I'm sorry, with prosecuting Judge Kavanaugh. When you hear people talk about impeaching Judge Kavanaugh without them saying that they're going to first, because in order to impeach him, he has to have commit. It's a very specific set of things that he has to break, rules he has to break in order to be impeached. And he hasn't done any of that yet because he has not yet ruled on any cases. So instead of trying to go through that avenue through the Supreme Court, why would they not simply say now we actually have enough evidence to get him on criminal charges? We believe Christine Blasey Ford. We're going to support her going to the Maryland Police Department, uh, you know, any one of the Maryland Police Departments, whatever, whichever one has jurisdiction and having them launch an investigation. They stand ready to do so. And then she could see justice. The reason she's not doing that is because this has nothing to do with getting justice. This has everything to do with just destroying Judge Kavanaugh. So here's Alan Dershowitz, and he's hardly a Republican or a conservative. He's hardly the kind of guy who likes going around and saying things that are truthful or, or I shouldn't say truthful, that are positive or put a positive spin on things for Republicans. He just happens to have a real allegiance to the truth. And so he's talking about what the Constitution would or wouldn't permit as it pertains to impeaching Kavanaugh. It's number seven. Uh, those who uh, believe that uh, Bill Clinton should never have been impeached for allegedly lying about his sex life are now going to lead the campaign to impeach Kavanaugh for allegedly lying about his sexual and drinking activities back when he was a 17-year-old. It's hypocrisy run rampant. The Constitution would not permit impeachment of a sitting justice for actions he took while a private citizen 35 years ago. Uh, nor, I think, would it permit using the laws of perjury, which are very tough. They have to be about a material fact. It has to have been a deliberate lie, not forgetfulness, not a boast, not an exaggeration, but a willful, deliberate lie about a material fact. I think that the Democrats are shooting themselves in the foot. We ought to be moving forward. Let's judge Justice Kavanaugh on his um, performance as a justice of the Supreme Court. I'm particularly outraged at my colleagues and students uh, at Harvard Law School, those of them who have made it impossible for Kavanaugh to continue to uh, teach there. It's rampant McCarthyism at its worst, reminiscent of what I experienced when I was a student at Brooklyn College in the 50s, where professors were fired because it was suspected that they went 17 or 20 years old. They might have been uh, members or fellow travelers of the Communist Party. We just have to put an end to this. So I agree with him. Uh, we do have to put an end to this. And one of the most important ways to do that is to acknowledge that sometimes we lose. Sometimes we win, sometimes we lose. And what we're seeing from the hardcore left activist Democrats is the refusal to accept 
Donald Trump's presidency. That's what the Mueller investigation was about. And there's really the the apparatus of the Obama administration, everything he put into place to thwart the Trump presidency. It's still all alive and well because no one's been prosecuted for using the dossier, uh, you know, to incorrectly obtain a FISA warrant against Donald Trump. There was no legitimate reason for them to be surveilling him, especially during a political campaign. Yet that is exactly what happened. And that's why I'm so hesitant to just simply say, well, no good can come of prosecuting people. I wonder how many times in America some horrible person has gotten off with committing a crime and then gone on to commit an an even worse crime because someone said, well, it's just not worth our time to prosecute. I know we sometimes have claims of overzealous prosecution and how people, you know, prosecutors, sometimes they put the wrong person in jail and that is wrong and we should always be fighting against that. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about people who are operating in the political sphere with no repercussions for their bad acts, which then gives them even more largesse, more, more, they feel more empowered to do even worse things because they're not prosecuted and they feel like they're above the law. They're the elites. They're the proletariat. They're the ones who are placed in authority over us to rule over us and tell us what to do. And when they mess up, it's like, well, I'm immune to prosecution. Really? None of us regular Americans are immune to prosecution. That's why we have to behave. So now I'm going to talk to you about this website. Um, and we're going we're gonna to circle back around. Actually, let's, we're going to talk about votecommongood.com in just a second. But let's wrap all of this up. We've got Susan Collins. And remember this epic speech that she gave. And I just didn't think, so yes, it was epic in its length and duration. Yes, it was epic because she chose to take the time to explain her vote. And that is done so rarely that it literally... It's like she stopped time for a couple of minutes, 43 minutes to be exact. And it was just too much for a lot of people to handle. A lot of the criticism on the left of her is that she made the moment all about herself. I don't think she made it about herself, but she clearly holds some, like, I've always wondered, why is she so liberal? What is it with her? Well, after listening to that speech of hers on Friday to justify her vote for Judge Kavanaugh, the reason she's liberal or the, the, things that make her so liberal is that she really believes a lot of things that are part of the Democrat party platform. She's for the affordable care act. She's for abortion. She's for, um, just a a whole host of things where you're kind of just watching it. You're going, that's not Republican party politics. Why is she a Republican? So anyway, she goes through all of these different descriptions of cases that judge Kavanaugh ruled on in which he showed that he could break away from the majority uh, on the right and rule according to what he thought was best for people. And he did do that a few times. Like there are a few of his cases where he clearly went out of his way to write his opinion on behalf of the person in the case. So he sees each case individually. He doesn't just take the cases as, oh, here's another case about, you know, uh, judicial supremacy or here's another case about you know he he, that's not him at all clearly he thoughtfully considers each case on its own merit he finds the precedent and using uh the the different precedents he then formulates his ruling 
but he can go against party orthodoxy is what she was saying. And she gave a few examples that made him sound like he was a dyed in the wool liberal. Like I was thinking, is she talking about Judge Kavanaugh? So then she went on the shows because she be- she basically became the star of the thing because they assumed she would vote against Judge Kavanaugh as Murkowski was bullied into doing. And she did not. So she's on all the shows, all the Sunday shows on CNN and NBC, et cetera, et cetera. And when she got to this particular program, the questioner, he was going out of his way to ingratiate himself to her while asking her some of the most ludicrous questions. I was just sitting there like, what is the deal with this interview? Well, towards the end, he exposed what the deal is with the interview, which is Democrats have to wipe themselves clean from the stain that was foisted upon them by Judge Kavanaugh when he said, this is a political witch hunt. You're out to destroy me. You don't care whether or not anything happened. You don't care about Christine Ford. You only care about preventing me from getting on the court so that you can protect abortion. This is a Clinton hit job. And when he said that, you could tell it upset them because afterwards, everybody had to ask about it. Well, did you do you really think Cory Booker? Well, do you really think that the, we don't really care about what happened? Do, are you saying all Democrats? You know, so this is the same vein. It's now it's time for a whitewash. It's time for them to behave as if they're unaware that they just executed a political hit job. It's time to clean everything up, wipe away the stain, rewrite history so that they can come out smelling clean as a rose and gear themselves up for the next political hit job. She assists them in this effort by saying not all of the Democrats participated in the hit. Well, how many of the Democrats on the Senate Judiciary panel acted as as if Judge Kavanaugh was guilty of gang rape? All of them. So they all are guilty of it, but not according to them. Oh, my goodness. What am I hearing? Oh, okay. When we return, you're going to get to listen to. Actually, no, you're not. We have Patrice Lee Anwaka who is the Senior Policy Analyst at Independent Women's Forum. This show is getting away from me. We're going to listen to that audio from Susan Collins at the end of the show. But up next, we're going to be talking about Kavanaugh and the impact on the midterm elections with a Senior Policy Analyst from Independent Women's Forum. So stay right there. Stuck on the healthcare roller coaster? Still paying those high premiums? And strapped into huge deductibles? Not knowing what's around the next turn? Well, then let me tell you about a sound, sensible healthcare choice that really is affordable. It's MediShare, the healthcare sharing solution people like you have been trusting in for more than 25 years. MediShare members report saving around $500 a month on their healthcare costs, and they never pay for things they don't believe in. Time to say goodbye to that healthcare roller coaster and say hello to MediShare. Call star star 345 to find out how much you can save on your healthcare. MediShare. Call star star 345. Message and data rates may apply. That's star star 
1-800-345-8345. This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. Today is Columbus Day. While this is a holiday for many, it is an opportunity for all of us to look back on the life and exploits of Christopher Columbus. I guess we should begin by acknowledging that Columbus Day today is not your father's Columbus Day. Not so long ago, Christopher Columbus was revered as a man who discovered the Americas and opened up the continent to settlement. Today is often portrayed in a negative light as a man who came for gold and glory and brought the evils of the slave trade along with diseases that decimated Indian populations. Whatever one thinks of Columbus, I would hope that fair-minded people should not blame him for actions that took place after he discovered the New World. Blaming him for those who brought the slave trade or for others who spread smallpox is certainly not a fair assessment of his contribution. Often missing from this analysis of Columbus is his Christian convictions. He said, It was the Lord who put into my mind, I could feel his hand upon me, to sail to the Indies. He also wrote about what he called a book of prophecies, which were a compilation of passages from the Bible that he believed informed his mission of discovery. One of the pervasive myths surrounding Columbus was that he wanted to prove the earth was round. In his song, They All Laughed, songwriter Ura Gershwin wrote, They all laughed at Christopher Columbus when he said the earth was round. Actually, scholars centuries before Columbus knew the earth was round. His error was he depended on an incorrect estimate of the distance and geography. So the fact that we are here in America is due in part to an explorer who miscalculated, was fortunate that he found land and did all of it with a government grant. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. Take Kirby and the Point of View team with you on the go with the Point of View app. Search for Point of View Radio at the Apple or Google Play stores. You can download episodes of Stacy of the Right from the podcast page on AFR.net or UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the program. Thank you so much for being with us here today. Happy Columbus Day. Hope that doesn't trigger you. Uh, It's my pleasure to welcome our next guest. It's Patrice Lee Anwilka, Senior Policy Analyst, Independent Women's Forum. Patrice, thanks for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be on. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you because I'm, I can't wait to get your take on what we just saw. I, I was alternatively pinching myself and then feeling like weeping <laughs> because it actually it went off. Like, I thought they couldn't do it. They brought it home. But now what? Well, it was interesting. I mean, I think it was a nail-biter on Friday evening, uh, right before Susan Collins uh, you know, gave her speech. But uh, I, I was on the Hill. I was actually visiting several key offices of key members, and... I had a I support Kavanaugh pin and <laughs> on my chest, uh, sporting a, a seven and a half month baby bump as well. And you can mm-hmm. imagine I got a plenty of of, of of glares, looks, and and even a little bit of hate from um, some of those protesters. But you know, I'm pleased to see that Republicans stood their ground and didn't give in to the smear tactics against uh, you know someone who's who's a qualified judge and is now you know going to be sitting on the Supreme Court. Um, but what is next is you know you'll hear hangering from feminists who say that, you know, women who supported Kavanaugh hate women, um, not hearkening back to what we heard after the 2016 elections, that white women hate all women, apparently, oh, uh, for gosh. supporting President Trump. Um, and they're going to try and, and take that anger into the, um, the, push that into the midterm elections. I'm skeptical of how far they're going to be able to keep that momentum going, but we will see. 
So, I, Patrice, you, you make an excellent point there, and I've seen that too. I've read so many pieces. Like I'm, I, It's almost like I'm on a binge reading thing where I'm just clicking through and reading everything because I'm trying to figure out if this is – because you, you're, you're aware of how this works. You're in communications, and you're at Independent Women's Forum, and you guys do such a fantastic job of you know sending out narratives and then amplifying them. And so you know how this works. I've already seen the op-eds being written. Judge Kavanaugh is illegitimate. The Supreme Court is illegitimate. Mm-hmm. Judge Kavanaugh needs to be impeached. I've already seen those op-eds. So the op-ed machine ha- kicked into full gear Saturday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there are Americans out there who are just going to crack open their paper and read that Judge Kavanaugh needs to be impeached, and they're going to think, hmm, well, I mean, we nev- they, they never did conclude that investigation because that's what the news is saying. D- do you think that settles in with people, or do we still have a populace that largely believes in innocent until proven guilty? I, I actually believe that most people have common sense. Most people recognize that, yes, innocence, the presumption of innocence is, is a bedrock principle of our criminal justice system. And that we shouldn't just throw it out of the throw it out of the window because someone comes forward with an uncorroborated, unsubstantiated allegation. I mean, when you take that personally, you would not want yourself, you would not want your your husband, sons, nephews, fathers to lose their entire career, um, their entire reputation over an allegation that proves that that they're, that's not even proven. Um, you know, the, the the media has been a really great tool of the left. I, I saw, you know, Senator uh, Macy Hirano from mm-hmm. Hawaii. I'm sure your folks have probably seen her face all over the MSNBCs and the CNN. Um, she's the one who said that men need to just shut up and sit down. Yeah. Um, uh, and she's been pushing this narrative against uh, Judge Kavanaugh, and, and she's saying that now um, Justice Kavanaugh will have an asterisk, asterisk next to his name as though, you know, he shouldn't really be on the bench, but he's on the bench by default, um, that's not going to work because I think people are smart enough to recognize that there was n- there was no issue with him being a judge in the federal circuit for 12 years, for over a decade. Yeah. Um, and, and again, these allegations were never substantiated, so it's not going to fly with most people. But it will fly with those who want to believe that narrative. One of the pieces that I saw um, online, it's at the newyorkpost.com. And, you know, they often will have op-eds from people on the right. Like they, they are equal mm-hmm. opportunity, which I like. I, I think it's fair for them to say, oh, we've got an op-ed from a right-leaning person and put it in so people can at least read it and see the opinion. And so I do, you know, they, I have respect for the New York Post for that. that they anger me plenty, but they do at least give, <laughs> you know, both sides a chance to have some articles there. They have one now that says, and this is actually... Uh, it's it's a bit of a news piece by Mary Kay Lynch. It says Dems face backlash from Mama Bears angered by Kavanaugh hearings, and she's talking about, um, if I'm understanding this, she's saying that Republican moms have been galvanized by the tense and partisan confirmation process, and that they're really fired up to vote because they have sons, they have husbands, they have fathers, and they mm-hmm. think this is, was unfair. How far do you think that deep anger goes that kind of is unreported? Because the New York Post is alone in, you know, the, you don't see pieces like this uh, uh, in mainstream papers uh, other than the New York Post and the Washington Times. You don't see it reported, um, and you don't see pieces like that. But I think the polling is starting to bear it out. I mean, I, I believe it's um, NPR polling from last week that found that that um, enthusiasm gap between Republicans and Democrats has shrunk from 10% to 2%, which is well within the margin of error. Um, so 
I think it's driven. And the question is, who, what, what is driving Republicans and conservatives? Well, it has been the cat. This, you know, the unfairness against Judge Kavanaugh, and I do think that it has a lot to do with women who, you know, um, putting uh, aside the, the the Trump administration, are recognizing that the the tactics that what was done to Judge Kavanaugh was really wrong, and I do think they see themselves in 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 and their families and their role as a mother, as a wife, as a sister, as a, you know, as a daughter. Um, and and the unfairness of of what happened to him with these unsubstantiated allegations is something they do not want to become the norm and the standard. Um, I spoke uh, at at a rally for Judge Kavanaugh on the Hill, um, you know, two weeks ago. Well, almost two weeks ago, with a, a bunch of other conservative women. But my my take was: Listen, I'm pregnant with a baby boy. I want to bring him into a world where he's going to be treated fairly. Where uh, you know uh, the presumption of innocence means that just because someone Claim something happened doesn't mean that he ha- he should lose his life, his career, his reputation immediately. And I uh, I just got so much support from women who said, you know what, I'm not conservative, uh, but what's happening here is wrong. I'm a mom. I'm a sister. I have sons, and this is what scares me about turning this idea upside down on its head or suspending it, you know, just for political motivation. So it wouldn't surprise me if over the next couple of weeks start to see, particularly in a lot of the ballot polling or generic uh, predictive polling, that women are starting to flip because their support for Judge Kavanaugh um, is so strong. And they're saying, you know what, what Democrats did is they overplayed their hands here. I, I, I tend to agree with you. And I'm, I, so second part of that question then, Patrice, is um, do you think, like, how do, how do we get the news out? Besides, obviously, we've talked about a little bit here on the show earlier before you came on that Judge Kavanaugh has just made history by having all of his law clerks as a Supreme Court justice, the only one ever who's had all four of them be women. And so that's that's an action that if if law clerks thought he was a sexual predator, they wouldn't work for him. He wouldn't have had Mm -hmm. anyone who was willing to come and do that work. But instead, he has four women. Um, How does that news kind of either bolster or or hurt? I mean, what does it do for him to, to have that news out there that he's done that? Well, you know, it, it really meant a lot before, and it certainly should mean something now. I think you're going to see a lot of people ignore that that story. Um, it's a conservative or right-leaning organization like ours, but we're speaking to women about freedom and opportunity. You know, we're talking about women who are in, you know, places of, of influence and authority. Um, and, and, and the fact that Judge Kavanaugh is someone who's been doing this not just after being named to, to, the, to the Supreme Court, but even before that, throughout his career. So we're pushing that narrative, and I think... The more women, um, you know, in their circle, on social media in particular, push back and say, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> How can a man who, um, you know, has, has, has helped to advance women's careers in the judicial field, um, in the legal field, um, how can he be someone who hates women? It just does not jive. And so being able to really share those stories, I have colleagues who know Judge Kavanaugh personally, who've been pounding the pavement with op-eds, with you know, going on national television programs to tell their personal experiences with him, I think that's going to be important. Um, and, and so, you know, but at the end of the day, even beyond just his support for women advancing in their careers, you know, we still need to remember that we want to ensure that he as a justice would be someone who would uphold the Constitution, would not be someone to use his position on the court to advance, um, you know, social policy and to make laws. Those are the most critical um, pieces or, or, or 
aspects of his credentials that we should really be celebrating. You know, we're not going to hear it coming out of MSNBC and CNN and a lot of these networks, unfortunately, but I think in our social circles, especially in social media, where we have a, women have a strong influence, that's, I think, where we can tell that story and get that, those, those narratives out there. Um. But did you see? I'm, I'm, I, I'm like this is a crazy question for you. I'm, I'm positive. Did you watched uh, the 43 minute speech by Susan Collins. Yes. Oh, it was wonderful. I didn't love it so much. I mean, it was a good explanation <laughs> okay. for why she voted. But when I say I didn't mm-hmm. love it, I, I thought it was great that she explained herself because it basically inoculated her against a whole bunch of people trying to change her mind afterwards because the vote was the mm-hmm. next day. But I thought she characterized Judge Kavanaugh as if he was, you know, almost a social justice warrior in waiting when clearly he's not because he was on the list that was approved by the Federalist Society, meaning what you just described, strict constitutionalists, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm wondering do you, what you think about her prospects going forward when she's up for reelection. Well, we've already heard that um, Susan Rice, uh, former, I believe, ambassador, um, <laughs> Uh, or Secretary of State, I forget, under Obama, yeah. um, that she plans to <laughs> be a primary challenger to Susan Collins. So we'll see what happens. It would mean she'd have to move to Maine because I'm pretty sure she doesn't live there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> I, 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 listen, I mean, I think the way she tried to to, dis- to describe Judge Kavanaugh may have seemed more like social justice warrior, um, you know, in, in terms of con- those conservative values and some issues that are really important to, to Republicans. Um, you know, I think that may have just been for a broader audience than just even giving cover to conservatives in general. It was probably just to all of the women, to all of the commentators, to all of the, the folks on the left who were going to, you know, um, to try to pick apart every piece of their arguments and provide a counter narrative to that. Um, you know, it, I still, I, what I really liked is just that she did that. She picked apart every single um, uh, uh, argument. That has that he's had to face, uh, and she, you know, she exposed the, um, the 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 willful political manipulation um, that we saw of of the left, both of Dr. Ford's allegations, but also just of this entire process, where at the moment the name his name had been announced as the nominee for the Supreme yeah. Court, you had groups like the Women's March on the Left, led by Linda Sarsour, uh, and some of these these women. Who literally went out, sent out a press release that said, "We oppose judge or nominee XXX, you know, for the Supreme <laughs> Court funny. because they hate he, he or she hates women." They didn't even do the, they didn't even, you know, put in the right name at the time because no matter who it was, they were going to oppose that. So, you know, she, she did a great job of calling all of that political policy partisanship out, um, and 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 you know, she probably embellished maybe this kind of idea of, of him as a conservative. Crusader, um, but I think the most important thing, though, is is to know that once he gets the bench, gets once he's, he joins the bench, that he will be faithful to the Constitution, however that looks like. And I think that's a case by case scenario. So, you know, it depends on what the Supreme Court's docket will look like this session. Um, if there's like if if abortion comes up or if you know gun rights come up, you know, we'll see how he how he looms. But you know, I think at the end of the day, conservatives should be really pleased that we now have two justices on the court that will rein back in that out-of-control um, judicial behavior that we've seen in the Supreme Court over the past couple of decades. So final question. I was, yes, we have yes. a couple minutes left, and I, I'm, 
I this is the question I've been waiting to ask you the whole interview. <laughs> so tell me in your opinion, Patrice, which one of them is the new because the, the left requires that we one of our, our people be a swing voter and swing over to their yeah. side. And we have seemed to accept that. Like we apparently it's a job that we don't just say no to. We could just say none of our people are going to swing over to your side because all of our people are constitutionalists. But instead, we've every single time we've had someone who, you know, they want that power. Or they want to be special mm-hmm. or it's, maybe there's a T-shirt or a cup or a pin that they get, whatever. Um, which one becomes the swing justice or do we even have one at all? Uh, you know, that's a tough one. I think it's going to really depend on the cases that we that, that are brought forward, um, and it may depend on the specific issue. I mean, when we look at Obamacare. Um, you know, we, we've been surprised at who voted to maintain mm-hmm. uh, the individual mandate there. Uh, so, yeah. you know, I, I hesitate to, to guess. Um, you know, I would say it, maybe Roberts could become that swing voter, but I, I actually think that with a stronger position, um, these conservative judges will continue to be will will be faithful to the Constitution. That's what I'm hoping for. Um, and and regardless of you know whether it, it advances a, a progressive agenda or a conservative agenda, that at the end of the day, personal liberty, personal freedom continues to be upheld in these decisions. Mm, I'm with you. I hope so. I I would love it if they would just say you know they don't have to meet up. They don't have to you know have a, a group think session. Just if they would just say to themselves the president put me here and I said and presented myself as a constitutionalist. And so regardless of the issue, I'm going to adhere to the constitution. And that may yeah. mean that they're unpopular and they can't have dinner together anymore or whatever it is that they do on the Supreme <laughs> court. But I just, you know, Patrice, I just wish we had the same kind of backbone in our people that the left seems to have in theirs where they just get up there and it doesn't matter what they're advocating for. They can advocate for the most repugnant things in the world. They're like, whoop, that's the party platform, so I'm with it. And we don't have that, and I wish we did. Uh, Patrice Leonwuka, Senior Policy Analyst, Independent Women's Forum, thank you for coming on today. Thank you so much. And if folks can visit IWF.org to learn more about it, what we do. Oh, perfect. IWF.org, folks. Head over there. Check it out. We'll be back with more right after this. Hi, this is Steve Tiber with 8 Days of Hope. We've been all over the country helping disaster victims who lose everything. It's truly a blessing. I really don't have the words to express. And yet they see a glimmer of hope when a volunteer shows up. Building the home, that's the second reason we're here. The number one reason is to share the gospel and and give them hope. It's everything that's right in America. I mean, it really represents the, the best that we have to offer. That's one of the main reasons for doing it, is being able to be the hands and feet of Jesus and coming out and working with so many wonderful volunteers. I just feel like it's important in this day and age to teach a child uh, how to serve. Please go to our website, 8daysofhope.com, and click on Get Involved. Submit your email address, and the next time we go anywhere with a disaster, we'll invite you to come along as well. I love coming in the job room because you can see 
these pieces of paper, they aren't just a piece of paper. Right. It's a family that's hurting, and it's a gospel opportunity. And I just thank God, you know, for this moment. I mean, I'll be back in my home, and I know it's going to be awesome. Come love others with Eight Days of Hope. This is Just a Minute with Stacey Washington. People are moving as fast as their U-Hauls will carry them out of high-tax, high-regulation states like California, New York, and Illinois. Where are they headed? Into low or no personal property tax states like Tennessee, Texas, and Florida. So there is definitive proof that lower taxes are attractive to families juggling expenses. Why then do we see low-tax, no-tax states transform into high-tax, heavy-regulation states over time? Because the high-tax residents flee the consequences of their voting patterns. When they arrive in the prosperous low-tax states, they begin to vote in the very same high taxes and heavy regulations that drove them from their previous location. Isn't that silly? I liken the behavior to economic locusts. After eating everything in sight, locusts move on to greener pastures. Economic locusts leave fiscal destruction in their wake. Remember this when you suddenly see calls for new taxes. If voters say yes, fiscal ruin will follow. I'm Stacey Washington. Find out more at StaceyOnTheRight.com. Media Minute with Howard Kurtz. Brett Kavanaugh may be a Supreme Court justice, but the polarizing media debate over his ascension to the high court rages on. On ABC's This Week yesterday, Jonathan Carl, in his first question to Kellyanne Conway, asked whether she's concerned that Justice Kavanaugh will be viewed as tainted by half the country. Here's a Washington Post headline. Senators representing less than half the U.S. are about to confirm a nominee opposed by most Americans. Jim Acosta, CNN White House correspondent, tweeted and then deleted that the White House was bullying the press, and it's shameful. My goodness, can't you guys win gracefully? Win? Does that mean that Acosta's side lost? This has been a very difficult, raw, and emotional story for the press to cover. And the pundits have been on one camp or the other, praising Kavanaugh, attacking Kavanaugh, taking the side of Christine Blasey Ford or not. I think that the after effects for the press, as well as the court, and as well as the country, have yet to be seen. With your Media Minute, Howie Kurtz, Fox News. This is Stacy on the Right with Stacy Washington on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. We'll know in November if that makes sense. I hope everybody running for the House in these purple districts will ask will be asked the question, do you support impeaching Judge Kavanaugh based on five allegations, none of which could be corroborated? Do you want an outcome so badly that you would uh, basically turn the law upside down? Uh, all I can say is that this is going to the streets at the ballot box. Uh, I'm going to I've never campaigned against a colleague in my life. That's about to change. I'm going to go throughout this country and let people in these at, you know, purple states, uh, red states where Trump won, know what I thought, know what I think about this process. Wow, that's Lindsey Graham coming out swinging. I tell you what, whatever it is that has been unleashed in him, don't you just wish it had been unleashed sooner? So he could have been like this a long time ago. Wow. Anyway, uh, welcome back to the program. Call lines are open. We have our call lines ready for you at 866-963-2037, 866-963-2037. And right now I want to listen to Susan Collins on one of the Sunday shows, basically giving the Democrats a nice little whitewash for all of their efforts. Number three. One of the ways that, uh, you know, Senator Graham uh, and others have said, basically, the Democrats are out to destroy this good man. 
um, as if that was the intent of all Democrats. Do you think there is a, it is possible that there were some Democratic senators who wanted to be fair to and listen to the accuser uh, and that it was just an ugly process in which there were no winners, but in which they were acting in good faith? Yes, and I have said that since I know her so well, I do not believe that Dianne Feinstein, uh, who has been accused of leaking the letter, was the one who did it. I just know her very well. She's a person of great integrity. But whoever did leak that letter did a profound disservice to Dr. Ford. So, Dianne Feinstein is obviously innocent just because she has a lot of integrity. She's not innocent because she's been proven innocent, but she's just innocent because she, she just has so much integrity. Look, we don't know who did it. Now it's being investigated. But the, the attempt to take the stench off of what we just saw and, to, well, we don't know why it happened or it was because the Republicans put forward this nominee. No, that's, that's what abusers say to people that they're beating up on a regular basis. Well, if you would just cook dinner on time, well, if you just wouldn't look like that when other people are talking to me, if you just wouldn't say things that I don't like, if you just wouldn't walk that way or look that way or hold your face that way, I wouldn't have to beat your face in on a regular basis. That's how we're getting treated right now. They, they put us through a hellish process that just it was just a torture session for a lot of Americans. I'm well over half. It's not just half of Americans who were horrified and appalled by what we saw. And now we've got the, Well, it's just that we just it was just the process. I mean, what else are we supposed to do? You should have just put another nominee. James Carville came out and said today, well, the thing is. They should have just let, let Kavanaugh go and chosen someone else and just ram that person through in the in the lame duck session like Democrats would have stood for that. Democrats would have said, well, it's a lame duck session. Now you need to wait until Congress is seated and in January and they would have held that seat open until whenever, provided they won. And also about that, this whole idea that the midterm is over, you see the real clear politics averages are just showing just uh, nothing but favor for Democrats in the in these races and the Republicans are just, you know, n barely holding on. Well, isn't that what they said in 2016? No way. Ninety eight percent. we got Hillary. No way possible for Donald Trump to be elected. But then who's the president? I'm sorry. What? Yeah. Electoral College. And now we have the same kind of thing going on. Now, the, the polls are shifting. Uh, Republican voting intention has risen since last week. The question was, will you vote in this year's congressional elections? The percentage who say they will definitely vote has gone up a tick in just one. And that's just one poll. But it's not just one poll. And the pros are detecting a shift in the battlegrounds as well. So the Senate looks pretty solid for uh, Republicans, if you believe the polls. But for the House, it's a much different scenario, different maps. And there are 23 seats that are being contested. And apparently those are. You know, they're really up for grabs. It's anyone's race. You got Senator John Tester, Democrat in Montana, facing one of the most competitive races this cycle, which has shifted from lean Democratic to toss up. Tester's running against state auditor Matt Rosendale, Republican in a state where President Trump won by double digits in 2016. You've got Jennifer Duffy, a Senate race analyst at Cook Political Report, who says that Tester initially looked likely to sail into reelection, no bigs with a comfortable lead in polling and Rosendale facing a crowded primary. But the fight over SCOTUS nominee Kavanaugh has energizing the GOP base. 
she still gives Tester a slight edge in the toss-up race. Now, they've moved it from likely Democratic to lean Democratic. But, yeah, if they lose that one, it ends the Democrats' hopes of retaking the Senate. Now, the latest poll taken of the state just a few days ago after the Ford-Kavanaugh hearing had Bob Menendez up 11 points, with the last two before that had him ahead by six and two points, respectively. The idea, I suppose, according to this writer, is that Menendez is such a deeply compromised incumbent with loads of scandal baggage, it's not implausible that some Jersey Democrats will take an anyone-but-Bob approach to their vote. Still a long shot for the Republicans, but it's now in play. Now, there's, obviously, there's reason to be cautious about this idea that the Kavanaugh hearings will have a surge. You just heard Patrice Anwuka from uh, Independent Women's Forum talking about how if the Democrats are planning on capitalizing on voter anger from the hearings from last week and the decision on Saturday and, you know, the, the seating of Judge Kavanaugh, they're not they're not really looking at human nature, which is everyone's riled up now. And the craziest folks, of course, the activists and those people are riled up. But regular everyday Americans on both sides of the political spectrum may be more likely to vote, but it's no guarantee they're going to turn out to vote in almost four weeks for something that just happened last weekend. Yes, it's important, but we can't over or underestimate the passage of time in how people are going to react to it. And that's on both sides. It's not just, uh, you know, Democrats who kind of get a little bit of apathy. It's not just Republicans who get a bit of apathy. But that being said, the idea that this is a slam dunk for the Democrats simply because the Republicans are in power, that is not a, a done deal. That's not a given. It remains to be seen what will happen on election night. So I just I renew my calls. Obviously, you can continue to pray over the Kavanaugh's and the Blazy Fords over your meals, but also pray for the November election that people would be wise when placing their votes and that they would put what they're voting for, whether it's a ballot issue or whatever it is, from candidates to issues that they would put all of those things in the light of Scripture, the Word of God, what God tells us to do with our vote. We have to render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's, but we hold the highest office in the land, which is that of citizen. In a representative republic, the highest office in the land is a citizen. We are giving the consent of the governed to these people, and the, the way that you vote for them is not based on your permanent tan, your melanin content, your country of origin, the country whose flag you like the most, the candidate who says the most things about social justice warrioring or racism or inequality or any of these other buzzwords, the candidate who talks the least or most about racism. It's about which candidate would you be most likely to feel, hey, you know what? This lines up this this person's platform and beliefs, this person's uh, record lines up with what God's word says I should be voting for and then vote for that person. And before you email me about Donald Trump and how he's an imperfect person and he's guilty of this, and he's guilty of that. And how could you as a Christian have voted for him? Have you ever read the Bible? Do you know anything about the main people in the Bible who Paul was Saul in the beginning? Wasn't he? Wasn't he not just a persecutor of Christians, but a rampant murderer? His main hobby in life was hunting down Christians and killing them. And then on the road to Damascus, he met someone that changed his mind. That's someone being Jesus Christ. Scales removed from his eyes. And he went on to write how many books in the Bible? 
So please miss me with this idea that we're looking for some perfect person who's never, ever made a, a, a mistake, never, ever said something wrong. And that person is the only person who the Republicans could ever possibly vote for. But Democrats are allowed to not only vote for, but love Bill Clinton and call him the first black president. You know, I am so sick to death of the hypocrisy from people who claim they have the right to question my beliefs while they've supported the very worst of the worst in the political spectrum. So, you know, I, I, any person has any right, you have the First Amendment right and your personal right of freedom to question the beliefs of any other person, but you don't have the right to act as if you somehow have the uh, authority over me to question what I'm doing with my vote when you're voting for abortionists. And I don't care what you call yourself. You can call yourself an independent. You can call yourself a laissez-faire, democratic, theocratic, atheistic, you know, independent, whatever you want to call yourself. Just understand that God is not mocked and his word is true, whether you're black or brown or purple. If you have spots, if you are an albino, his word is true. It applies to you and it is specifically for you if you're claiming the mantle of Christianity. And so before you start walking and pointing over here at what you consider to be my vote for Donald Trump and how that was a, you know, a beam in my uh, or a speck in my eye, handle that, you know, uh, 18 wheeler sized beam that's jetting out of your head first, which is you're voting for candidates that want to and have successfully changed the legal definition of what a marriage is when God says marriage is one man, one woman and him. It replicates the Godhead, triune relationship, three persons in one, a man and a woman. A man leaves his father and mother and joins together with his wife, and they become one flesh after they have gotten married, and God is in that mix. And that is marriage, not whatever you want it to be or whatever you got Obergefelled and the Supreme Court to say it was, while you're voting for that and judging me for voting for Donald Trump. I'm seeing some definite inequalities there and some definite things that are going to have to be explained at the judgment seat. And I'm not talking about on my side. I got my own problems. I'm having my own things to talk about to my Lord and Savior when I meet him. But that vote is not going to be one of them. You handle your affairs. Address yourself to your own 18-wheeler sized beam that's all up in your face and over here swinging around about to hit me in my face because you're voting for people who advocate for the killing of the unborn, for the ripping apart of human babies and their bodies sold to the highest bidder so people can buy Lamborghinis. You're advocating for the actual destruction of humanity, which the infanticide that you're advocating for, the infanticide that you support with your vote, that infanticide is the same as the baby ritual sacrifice, they would sacrifice babies and children to their gods back in the day in the promised land. And that's why God sent Joshua and the mighty men of valor in and they rode them down and killed every man, woman, child, all of their beasts, burned their tents, burned their cities, pulled down the walls and only kept the metal and the gold. That's why God poured out his unmitigated wrath upon them because they refused to repent for sacrificing babies and children to their idols. What's the idol here, you ask? The idol here is sex on demand. Any kind of sex you want to have, anywhere you want to have it, and if you produce a baby, well, just abort it. Sacrifice it on the altar to your idol, sex. And if you think 
that's any different from what they were doing and that God's wrath is only in the Old Testament and that God can't bring that wrath here today right now, that you have bigger problems than whoever I voted for. And I'm not saying that because I'm mad at you. I'm concerned for you. I'm concerned for your eternity. That's why I'm saying what I'm saying. I'm all, I'm all good over here, you know, not worried over here. Address your own issue. And if you're sitting there and you're listening to it and you're mad, you know what? You're mad. But what I said was true. And it's not me that you're mad at. What the problem you're having, the problem you're having with, with what I've said, the problem you're having with your support for abortion while you in church on Sunday with your hands raised and 3,800 babies a day over at Planned Parenthood nationwide getting killed. And you got your hands up in the air and you're praising. And I don't know where, I don't know who or what you're praising, but you just think you got something going on, but you're supporting abortion. Mm. Sounds like you got something you need to address. You have something you need to address. So previewing tomorrow, we're going to be talking about Hillary Clinton still finding ways to denigrate democracy. It's kind of a out. It's just stunning how the Clintons never go away. And then Lindsey Graham dared Chuck Schumer to pick one of the judges from the list. And we're going to have that audio for you as well. And we'll have a guest, you know, or two. I'm not sure exactly who our guests are for tomorrow. And we're going to continue to unpack. I have some quotes from David Mamet that apply directly to what we're seeing from the organized left in this fight for the Supreme Court and control of the ability to adjust culture in America. It's important. We really have to be up on how this is being waged so we know how to pray. I encourage you to pray about the things that you're angry about and ask God to show you in his ultimate wisdom where you're either right or wrong, and whether or not it comports with what his word says. God bless you from the heartland. Good night. God bless. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of Urban Family Talk, Urban Family Communications, or American Family Association.